All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 360 Sports Show, coming to you live through Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch. I am Ian Fazelli. He is Christian Lauber. We're going to get to the Stanley Cup Finals being set, the NBA playoffs continuing, the Olympics around the corner, news out of collegiate sports. There's a whole lot to run through. We're going to try and do that in an hour here on a summer Sunday morning. Thank you for finding us live. If you can't catch us live, you can catch us as a podcast through Sounder FM or wherever you get your podcast from, and you can reach us anytime during the live stream in the comment section or by emailing us at the360sportshow at gmail.com. So, Christian, good morning. How are you doing? And uh, where do you want to start here this week? Well, uh, you know, I'm good. I'm all right. Summertime. Um, Summertime. But, uh, yeah, I think we should just start Stanley Cup because that'll be a quick uh, quick conversation. <laughs> You're not hyped? Christian is not hyped, nope. everybody. Christian is not hyped about... The Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning being... Now, why are you not hyped? Uh, I mean, would you have been more hyped if it was the... So the Islanders lose Game 7. Uh, we knew last week, coming into this week, that you know the Stanley Cup matchup would be set. Uh, it takes right. seven games for the Islanders, or for the Lightning, rather, to eliminate the Islanders. Are you surprised by that? Uh, and are you... Uh, would you have been more excited if it was Islanders-Canadians uh, instead of Lightning-Canadians? Yeah, because then I would have, like, by game, like, four or five, I was like, okay, Islanders got to win this thing so they can get to the Cup because I can't watch Montreal Lightning. I mean, I'm still going to watch, obviously, but uh, it's much harder now without any any sort of rooting interest. Uh, it's it's a lose-lose no matter what. Uh, what's the bigger loss? I, I don't know. Uh, talk to me in, like, a few days. But, um, yeah, am I surprised by the Lightning winning? No, because... You know, they're you know being eighteen million dollars over the cap, which apparently is not a story and not a problem. Uh, you know that puts you over the top in the Stanley Cup final like two years in a row now. So, uh, yeah, no, not surprised. Uh, I was hoping the Islanders would pull it out in Game Seven. There, you know, bounce of the puck one way or the other, they could have tied it and won the thing. But not surprised. I'm more surprised that Montreal is there, sitting there waiting for them. Uh, rather than Vegas, who absolutely puked on themselves a number of times. And here we are, Lightning Canadian. Yeah, there's a lot of teams. I mean, when you look at how, I'd say when you look at how the playoffs have gone in both the NBA and the NHL, there's a lot of teams just hanging their heads like, what happened? How did how did this mm. happen? Uh, yeah. I mean, we looked at like the Avalanche and like the Knights as like, these are the teams. These are the two buzzsaws. They're going to face each other and whichever one wins... They're going to the cup. They're going to win it probably. Maybe if the Lightning get there, you know that that that'll be that'll be a big matchup. Probably go seven games. And I mean the Lightning, not like you said, though their cap situation and their roster building, no surprise. I'm really stunned that the Canadians got there. I mean, hey, it's hockey. Anything can happen. But the teams that they went through. Uh, and who we thought would be the last team standing, I don't think anybody thought. It's upsetting because imagine if there had been Bruins Canadians in a, in a Stanley I Cup. I know, it would have been so much better. Oh, oh my I'm God. Not, Christian, not you would have gone. Teams. You, I, How much hair would you have lost from pulling it out? And the remaining hair probably would have gone gray, right? If, if it was oh, no, I, it, there would be no hair left. <laughs> all of it? Beard hair all, ripped all out? All of it, yes. Chest everything. hair ripped Leg hair, you name it. The worst part, yeah. You know, armpit waxed <laughs> right out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that would have the NHL missed. Uh, you know, that would have been great for the NHL, not only like fans, but the NHL to have those two teams in the Cup final, especially 
I mean, how long has it been since Montreal's been there? It's been a long time. So it's good for them anyway because, you know, they're a market, you know, marketable franchise, obviously. But well, it's been how uh, long since Canada had a had a had a team win the Stanley Cup? A while. So that's yeah. Now, obviously, the difference with this year is, you know, how their route to get there. Yeah. Do you did you at the end now here, do you feel like that realignment was a good thing? And should it be something that's permanent the way they had it set no, up? No, it, it shouldn't be permanent. No. Um, I liked it the other way, I would say. Uh, more teams, more viewing. You know, obviously, it's more te- uh, more travel for the teams, but you get to see other teams. Um, and 56, I mean, 56 games is actually not a bad set. You go eight by eight and you get there, but it's uh, it needs to go back to the way it was, in my opinion. Um. I think like having an all Canada situation was nice for this year, just based on the situation that we were in. But overall, you want more teams, and and it's just more compelling to have those interdivisions. Yeah. Um, now we'll have time. Uh, game one is tomorrow. Game two is Wednesday. Game three is Friday. Um, so we'll have a sense of the direction this series is going for the Stanley Cup Final by the time we are back on the air next Sunday. Uh, and then the series could be over uh, by the time we get to the following show, uh, July 11th. Do you think that this game, this series goes seven games, or could this one be uh, pretty much over and in the books uh, by the time we take to the air next? And uh, who do you like? Um, I like Tampa probably, but also I've liked every other team against Montreal, maybe with the exception of the Jets. But um... – it's hard to say. Yeah, you know, I think Tampa could absolutely wax Montreal, right, in five games or something. But then I, I just think, like, Montreal is just this random, ballsy team this year. Kind of came out of nowhere in the playoffs, and they've taken every series, you know, winning it clearly or, you know, kind of battled to the end. So I don't think they're going to go away easy, uh, if I had to guess. But I still lean Tampa just based on the team that they have. Yeah. Um. Montreal's got the advantage in net, though. Wouldn't you? Would you say? I mean, I know mm, Carey Price it's... is older now, but do you do you still give them the edge? Um, I, I would say even it's, it's almost age? dead even in net. Um, I'm not leaning one way or another. I mean, look, Vasilevsky's been there, done that. Carey Price has not. So that's true. I, that, I would that's lean, a good point. I would sway Tampa like 55-45 in net, but it's very very close. If Price you know, is on his game. Obviously, he's one of the best in the world, but he hasn't been in this situation. Vasilevsky has. He was just there last year. So now, obviously, it's different. They got fans, but um, I would still lean Tampa there just based on the experience and also the guys in front of them. You know, having Hedman in front of you is a lot better than Montreal in front of you. But, again, they're there, so they're obviously a good team. Um, But can they overcome, you know, Tampa's – roster i'm not so sure i mean they have clearly the best roster they almost have like you know four of the best players at their positions in the league so it's gonna be a tough series for montreal to 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 win i would say four games but then again this is what they do so they're annoying (laughs) so it'll be close down to the wire i i don't know if it goes seven but i still lean tampa 
Will you be rooting for anybody, or will you just be a passive observer? Rooting for the asteroid, maybe, to come and just end everything. And you don't have to root for anybody in this series. Yeah, uh, I can't root for anything. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to sit there as a spectator in a Bruins jersey and, you know, watch it unfold. Because I, I, I just can't lean one way or another. You know, I always say, like, I lean towards rooting for Montreal, then I get to that point, and I'm just like, I can't do that. You can't. I can't. I mean, I, I, you know me. I'm always a big fan of chaos. I like to root for chaos, and I think the Canadians beating the Lightning would be chaos. Um, oh, not, yeah. not, not as. It, it, I mean, it would, it would be chaos from like you know from an NHL fan standpoint. You know, as far as what we expected and who you think's the favorites and all that. Right. Um. But at the end of the day, it is hockey. It's not like it's 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 not like this would be like this year's Detroit Pistons beating the 2015 Warriors. You know, it's not, it's not like this is some, you know, this is not the Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You know, right. it's not, it's not that kind of like, oh my God, insanity. It's not that. Um, but you're right. At the end of the day, as a Bruins fan, I can't root. I can't bring myself to do it. So and all I, I want, for Tampa because so I at the end of the day, here's what it yeah. comes down to. I want, as much hockey as I can get. Give me two more weeks of hockey. Sure. Yeah. So I'll I'll just root for whoever lost the previous game. So get me to game seven. That's all I'm rooting for. Give me seven games. Give Pretty me an much. epic game seven. That's it. That's what we're rooting for. Seven games. That's what I'm rooting for. Yeah, as many games as possible. Because when you get to game seven, then you just... Then I'm really not rooting for anything. Bounce of the puck. That's what I'm rooting for. Sit back and enjoy. Eight overtimes. Yeah. <laughs> guys, guys... Guys drop it left and NHL right because of injury and fatigue. And... Oh man, we got to stra- we got to strap up the uh, we got to strap up the assistant coach as the goalie. <laughs> Zamboni driver comes in and saves the day, and yeah, something like that. So that's where things stand uh, in the NHL. Uh, on the NBA side, whew, I mean the pet the past week has been the past two weeks has been really exciting. Let's quickly hit on uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the games, because there's some stuff that's been aggravating me about the games. Um, Celtics hire their head coach. Uh, Ami Udoka is named as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Um, God, I just I can't get Jay Williams out of my head, man. Uh, this, I'm sure you saw this. Oh, I absolutely saw T- it. Tweeting. Now, he says he was hacked, which... Oh, he was... No, he's... Which, he's listen... Mean. If, if he was, that is one of probably the coolest hacks ever. Because most people, when they get hacked, their account posts Lord knows what explicit materials. Links to this, that, you know, the other thing. Uh, for somebody, to, if they actually hacked Jay Williams to mimic his canter of tweeting to make him look like a very uninformed person on basketball is so just mastermind level there, there's a one person because for him there's no way out of it because he could say i was hacked even if it's true no one believes you so for those that didn't see jay williams basically tweeted you know when this hot celtics hiring was announced finally the first black head coach for the celtics blah 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 you know awesome a guy that's paid his dues this is great and it's like what? well recent memory doc rivers and then there's a long list of guys. Oh, and by the way, Bill Russell, first black head coach ever in the NBA, won 11 championships. 
in the Hall of Fame as player and coach. Doesn't this tell you what people view? How people view this? Where are you? Boston <laughs> like, how does that happen? If if he wasn't hacked, that's just he definitely was not hacked. Like, and, if, not and if he was hacked, that's an amazing hack job. Whoever that was, I applaud you because that's you created a scenario where there's no way out for him. But uh. yeah, he was he was definitely not hacked. Uh, the other thing is, I just feel like this is kind of like an echo sentiment of like. Kyrie Irving said it. And now Jay Williams is doing it. Like this is how people view Boston and the Celtics is like. You know. Yeah, like he just heard somebody say something and then was just excited to like tweet that. Ownership group is all think. white, and you know the head coach was Brad Stevens. He's a white male, and so they've never done it. Well, dude, do you remember two thousand eight? <laughs> so or I don't the eighties. I just I just feel like it's an inkling of like Casey Jones how people view Boston as a whole. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's just where I'll sit on that. Yeah, yeah, mind-boggling. But anyway, to the actual hiring itself, uh, Udoka had been—he's been all over. He was with the 76ers under Brett Brown. He was with Greg Popovich, Team USA, where he built a relationship with Tatum, Brown, and Marcus Smart, who were all consulted on this hiring. Um, he checks Which, all of the boxes, and he's with the Nets this year. He checks all the boxes for me. Um, I think this is a fantastic hire. I, I think it's perfect. For everything we knew the Celtics were looking for and wanted to get, I think this is a perfect hire for them. I don't know about that. Uh, okay. Feel free to disagree. It's Ime good that we Ujoka. disagree. Do we know anything about him? Uh, he's paid his dues in the league, and he was... Like, there are a few things that I do like. Obviously, the player's one of them. Uh, Damon Brown you know, are the two most important pieces. Obviously, Tatum is uh, number one on that list. Marcus Smart, sorry, but you're not a big three. That's not how it works. Uh, this is a problem with the Celtics and hiring Brad Stevens because now Marcus Smart is still in this big three conversation, which he's not. Uh, he's a bench role player. But, you know, Tatum and Brown like this guy. He has some cred in the league, at least. He worked with uh, the Nets most recently with Kyrie Irving. So, obviously, there's ties there. Um so there's a few things that I do like. I just would have rather had Chauncey Phillips or Sam Cassell, I think, um, based on those guys and their cred. But, hey, this could be a short-term thing anyway and see how it goes. Because I think, it, 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 from what I've seen anyway, it feels like Brad Stevens hiring another Brad Stevens type of coach where he's not going to really push the guys and he's he's not going to you know, be that guy. Whereas I feel like Billups is a little bit more high end and, and he's kind of, he's kind of got a snarl to him and an attitude, but we'll see how it works out. I don't hate it, but I just like, I'm not going to say it's just going to be, Oh, this is just the best hiring ever. Uh, the number one thing on the list is that the players wanted him uh, and they gave the okay. So that is where I start. And that's why I will say I like the hiring. Um, like I said, it's not the, the worst thing I've ever seen. It's just, we don't know much about him. Like he has the experience, sure, but he's never been a head coach. So we'll True. see how it works out with this this particular. Neither team. has Bill. Neither has Billups or Cassell. Um, sure, but they they have more high end cred in the league. I guess. Um, in terms of winning and stuff, this guy wasn't like you know a star player in the league, which could be a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but the yes. the other thing is like I, I I just I you need a different style coach in here. So hopefully he is that. We just don't know yet. I, from what I've heard, I mean, he's a former player, which checks that that was one of the boxes because 
as Colin points out in the comments section, he has much more experience coaching NBA players than Brad Stevens did by far. Because Brad came from college to the NBA, and obviously now I think Brad would be a somewhat polished NBA coach to be able to speak to and talk with and coach NBA players. Now, the type of NBA players he wants to coach, we could have a discussion on. You know, does he want to coach a superstar team or does he want to coach uh, no. a gritty, ballsy team that of overachievers, right? Uh, which is what he had with Butler. You know, that's what he had to, to work with. Um, yeah. I think, from what I've heard, is that Udoka is going to be a guy who is going to be, like, kind of a, a notch above Brad Stevens where I don't think he's going to be one of these, like, flipping out type of guys, but he's going to be able to come to Tatum or Brown and tell them their weaknesses, but not in a, like, hey, this is terrible, this is bad, blah, 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 but more of a, like, hey, listen, if you do this, this, and this this way, you can take your game to a next level. You know, whereas maybe it that coming from Brad, even if he sees the exact same thing and wants to say the same thing, it's like, yeah, okay, thanks, Brad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, no, I agree with but that. But coming from a former player who has actually been there, done that, been in the trenches, when he says, listen, put your shoulder into the guy like this. If you put your left foot here, you can drop step and then turn and fake, whatever it is, you know, that he might be able to help those guys actually get through to them to help them take their games to the next level. So he's going to be not a freaked out guy. He's going to be harder on them, but he's still going to have, I agree with you, I think he's probably, from what I've heard, He's still going to have some of that, which is I think you need now. In today's league, with the way these young guys are now, you have to still kind of have, you know, soft hands with them. You know, you can't just be a yeller and a screamer all the time because it goes in one ear and out the other. Um, so I think he's going to be able to have a little bit more snarl, a little bit more criticism, but I think that's a good thing. And he's still going to be able to relate to these guys on a personal level and understand and I mean, I mean if, if he was just on a staff that had to witness Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, uh, and he's and the other teams he's been a part of that have definitely had their egos, uh, Tatum and Brown, as far as we look at the scope of the NBA and personalities and who how to manage them, I think those have got to be two of the more coachable superstars in, in the league. Um, Do we know that? To, I think so. Yeah, uh... I, mean, I mean, just guess. <laughs> Off the top of the head, would you look at them and say, like, Oh, yeah, you read any really... of the athletic stories or are you gonna think, stories are... that are coming out about this team, though? Do you? I'm saying on the spectrum of NBA superstars and their coachability, you don't think that those guys have got to be on the easier side. I'm not saying they're easy to coach. I'm saying easier than others. Than Kyrie Irving? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm well, saying. I, so is everybody. <laughs> uh, but... No, I, I mean, look, yes, I do understand that part of it, I guess. I mean, I, if you read some of the stories that have come out about the Brad Stevens things, it's not great in terms of the locker room. So, And also, we've seen guys leave here for a number of reasons. Whatever reasons they have, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving. Al's back, though. Left and right. Al's back, yeah, and well. he said that he's, you know, leaving and going to Philly and being in Philadelphia and then, I mean, the year in OKC, was that was just a pit stop because Philly was trying to dump him. Mostly his time in Philly. Uh, yeah. But he's happy to be back. Well, yeah, much, look at that would, team now. But Would much rather be in Boston. And I don't think that's just about like, hey, you know, I'm here and I'm saying the nice things. You know, I, I heard him talk. That sounded like a guy who was like, 
yeah, maybe I was kind of a little upset here and I didn't want to take a pay cut and blah, blah, blah. And that year and that whole 2018, 19 team was a mess and I wanted out, but there's way worse cities to play in than Boston. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that one. That was a mess when he got there and even after he left, but uh, the the one thing I, I do say, like Jay Williams, obviously it's a terrible look, but also he's on, he's on the right track in terms of it's not the first, but it is important. I feel like for these young guys to have a black coach in the locker room, head coach, that is uh, it's a new voice. And obviously these guys have played under him in some respect. He's not, he hasn't been a head coach, but obviously, you know, that world cup team, which kind of sucked, but they, you know, still, he still coached these guys and they gave, you know, they're owed. I still, it still bothers me that it's like the big three is Marcus Smart and the other two. It, the most important pieces on this team, at least of right now, I know Maxwell said that he wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Brown wasn't here randomly, but um, Tatum is the number one guy. So you got to please this guy to keep him here because he, you know, the contract's up in what, three, four years. Yeah. He's not here. I mean, look out. So this is a good move in terms of these guys want him, but the two most important pieces on the team, are Tatum and Brown. You got to get to those guys, mainly Tatum, because I think he can draw. He showed a little bit of something in the playoffs. He can get to that upper echelon in the league in terms of top five. The talent level is there. We know that, which also creates some type of, some type of draw for other players. So instead of him jumping ship at the end of his contract here and going to play with Brad Beal or wherever he wants to go, get these other guys in the room with him. Yeah. You know, and and he's really your guy. So that's the guy that you need to please. Yeah. I feel like by hiring uh, Udoka, it, it creates a window that's not like we have to win right now. Because I've talked about this, that like this team, yes, they have talent. Yes, I think they're going to make, and we already see with Brad Stevens starting to do the tinkering. I think they'll still be a very competitive team this year. They should be. They should be in the hunt. But there's not going to be, like, if you hired a retread head coach, right, you'd be saying, like, but hiring a guy that's kind of coming into a situation the same way Brad did. Now, obviously, he's starting with Tatum and Brown. He's being given a much better base to work with than Brad Stevens was. The expectation is, okay, listen, we want you to win. Focus on improving and winning. But if you don't win a championship in year one one, or year two, it's not like it's over. You know, sure. you're going to get a chance to really mold these young guys, mold and build the rest of the team with the eyes of, we better be in the finals again, or, you know, for the first time since 2010, by year three at most. Like, by year three, we should we should be in the finals, or we should have already gotten there. Uh, and, and now we've established something, and it's Tatum and Brown still, and you feel confident about those guys signing a, third contract or an extension to stay on and then like you said you're at that point where these guys are continuing to draw stars and hopefully because those guys are so young you set up a 10-year run with them um we thought it would be a 10-year run set from 2017 where you've got this veteran team with tatum and brown as the young like role players and then it would be kind of like what the spurs did where they had tim duncan winning when he's young with ginobili and parker and then some of the older guys aged out. Those guys matured more. And you just kept filling in. Then you get Kawhi in there. And you hoped you were just kind of keep being able to roll it. Which is kind of what the Celtics always did. They kind yeah. of just rolled it into the next thing. And then Len Bias, Reggie Lewis, and then 22 years of just bleh, 
before Danny Ainge brings the 2008 team together. Um, hopefully that's what they can kind of start again. Well, they, yeah, let's not forget they still have holes on the roster too. So they got to fill those and then which, see where we're going. Which, you know, we traded the we Celtics traded Kemba. Now there's already reports that Kemba could be on the move. Don't get, dude, don't be picking out houses in OKC. He's going to um, Lakers. Uh, Lakers is a good one. Uh, what about back to the Eastern Conference? What about a straight up Kyrie Kemba swap? Because there's reports that, and you got to know, if there's already reports about the Nets wanting to maybe, eh, they were fed up. They're kind of done with Kyrie. That whole experiment, you know, that's coming from Kevin Durant. They those whispers wouldn't even be getting out of that front office if Kevin Durant wasn't already like, hey man, like, I think me and James got this. So like, let's just get rid of him. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe the Nets are like putting that out in the wind to see if Durant reacts to it. Which he hasn't. He hasn't come out and been like, this is bogus. This is the NBA machine. And we know burner, we burner, know burner. how many burner accounts he has, right? So he would be out there somewhere. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, where does where 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 does Kemba fit if he's going to be if they, I mean, I believe that report. Don't get comfortable in OKC. And if it's not if it's not right away, which it seems like they said it's going to be soon, could be Tuesday at the draft. Um, he yeah. won't be there this entire year. If it doesn't if a deal doesn't materialize at the Thunder like, he'll be gone by the trade deadline. Um, yeah, I think so he where, could be on a contender. So, where does he go? I mean, I like the Lakers as an idea anyway cuz I think they need another guy there in terms of now. Obviously, I think they would rather have Dame Lillard. I would too. I think anyone would at this point in, in Kemba's, uh, you know, the point in his career and the money in there. But it's a good team, and he could fit in there, I'm sure. So that's the immediate reaction. Uh, the other one would be like the Knicks. You know, obviously Kyrie. If Kyrie jumps ship or they get rid of him, the Knicks are another rumored spot for him. Uh, so. One of those two, I think, would be an interesting spot because I think the Knicks are, they might have hit lightning in a bottle. They might be nowhere near the playoffs next year. But, you know, you get a little bit of a star anywhere, and Kemba's from New York. So, uh, and even even the Nets, I mean, I wouldn't put that past them to, to jump Kyrie and uh, to, for Kyrie to jump ship and then Kemba to come in and, and, you know, be on that team. He's a locker room guy, right? Supposedly. So, yep. The Kyrie rumors are interesting. I mean, that's the most interesting part. He got there one year ago, brought KD in with him. They wanted to form this team. But supposedly, Kyrie wasn't crazy on the Harden move. But took the ball out of his hands. I, I can't. I, I just, he, Like I, we said this, will they buy in? And the only way it works with the three of them is if Kyrie sits in the corner. Hey, James Harden's the point guard. You're the two. Kevin Durant gets to be Kevin Durant and have the ball in his hands whenever he wants. So, Kyrie, you're the third guy. We didn't know if he would be happy with that or not. Now, it seemed we never saw. We never saw fully healthy on the floor for a significant, what, only, what, like 12 games for the entire season they were ever out there all together. I mean, that's including the playoffs, I think. So... We, we will never know what it would have looked like if they were all healthy, if it could have worked. Well, guess what? It didn't work. For what, what injury? This is what happens when you put all your eggs in three superstars. If one of them goes down or one of them's a little unhappy, you got nothing left. Hey, the rest of the NBA is lucky, though, that Kevin Durant wears a size 17 shoe. 
<laughs> yeah. His big ass foot was uh, behind that line. I think the you know ultimately the Nets probably win the thing. Yeah. Or at least get there. But but hey, either either way, I mean, look. Let me ask you this: Who would you rather have, Kyrie Irving or Kevin? Now put the put the the pain in the assery aside. Who would you rather have, Kyrie Irving or James Harden? I'd rather have James Harden because he's more durable. I'd rather have Kyrie. I'd rather I'd rather have Harden. As much as I hate his game, and his game's going to change, by the way. We'll get into that. Some NBA rule changes coming. Uh, Harden's been the more durable guy. I mean, Kyrie, Kyrie is He's what? also been a bigger loser. Don't forget that. Uh, we're taking all that out of it, though. You said, I mean, are, are no, no, no. We... I'm saying the pain in the assery. So, like, you know, Harden, you know, is eating, you know, McFlurries every day and fattening himself up to get out of Houston. It's okay, but aside, aside from one year with LeBron getting to the finals and hitting a shot in a game seven, what else has Kyrie won? I mean, the guys that, I mean. It... You just said what he won. Yes, w- once. What does James Harden won? Nothing, but I'm just <laughs> okay. saying. I'm just saying. Kyrie also had LeBron. I mean, that's it's, 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 that's he, not. It's not like it's not like you're like, oh well, you know, Kyrie had Kevin Love, and it's like, eh. Kyrie had LeBron. Outside James of having Harden LeBron, had Chris Paul, he had all these guys in Houston. He won Jack. Kyrie hit the biggest shot. What well, you can't take the biggest shot in Game Seven away from Kyrie because you you want to fit your argument. That makes no I, sense. I'm I'm saying. That if you're gonna judge the winning and going forward, this is not this is not a resume. Whose resume would you rather have? Going no, forward, the player. But based going, on history, I'd rather have Kyrie. Going forward from this point on, if I had to choose who's if I'm the Nets and I have to choose who's my point guard, James Harden or Kyrie Irving, I'm taking James Harden. The guy, dude, the guy for whatever his hamstring issue was, I don't care. He says it was grade two. I think that on a grade two strain, you're not even able to move around as much as he was. But say he was. That shows me a little bit of grit that I didn't think he had. I mean, the dude didn't come off the floor. I mean, he had a. We were making fun of the Bucks as it's like they're man. You know, Giannis is there, still like taking him out of the game, managing his minutes. Like dude, it's game five through six. Through, once you get late in the series, your star's gonna be in there as often as possible. Coach Bud, what are you doing? Why is Giannis playing thirty-five well, minutes? Yeah. James Harden is out there with a busted leg for the whole game. Come on. Um. So I'd rather have I'd rather have Harden because I just don't think Kyrie's going to be available. Talk about history, you know. Kyrie his his history is not being available. Not in, in the 2015 Finals, not available. Uh, you know, 2016, yes, that was a great that was an all time run for the Cavs. A comeback. Kyrie was phenomenal. Uh, one of the biggest shots in NBA history. You know, that's on his resume. Nobody can take that away from him. Um, but without LeBron, he's been an all-star player who can't get past the second round, either because of injury or because it just didn't – it doesn't materialize for him. Because he doesn't for really better, play basketball. For better or worse. And that's the other thing. I mean, what's his commitment level to basketball You know, on, on the whole? We talk no. about Bill Belichick in the NFL, wants guys that love football. That's why he jetted Chandler Jones and Jamie Collins. These guys who would rather play video games than like, you know, be in the gym every single day and be out in the field. Does Kyrie love playing basketball or is he just good at basketball? So that's what he does. I, I don't know. And that's a fair question. Yeah. I don't know. I just think um, if you look at the player, I just, I would rather have the play. Like if he had his head screwed on straight, I just think it's him and Durant and that's good. 
but you know, obviously you can't take that out of it, but Harden is, uh, is also not the, uh, I would say easiest guy to, uh, it's not a great with. pick. Let's just say this, you know, can, can, can we choose the hammer to the head? I mean, I wouldn't want to have to pick between yeah. either of them. Um, uh, but if you had to, and listen, you know me, I'm like the biggest James Harden critic. Like I, I just can't stand his game. Uh, I think for a guy that's that big and strong to be flopping himself all over the floor and snapping his head back all the time off minimal contact, it's like, drives dude, insane. come on. Uh, it drives me up the wall. But, but, I'd rather have him than Kyrie. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, to this end, though, if they choose that, if the Nets are like, let's get rid of Kyrie. We've got Kevin. We've got James. Uh, they're willing to like commit to staying here if we can get Kyrie out of here, maybe put some better pieces. Kind of where the NBA's at right now. Star A, star B, fill out the rest with role players. Yeah. Now the Nets had that. They had Kyrie and Kevin Durant in this loaded young team, and then they blew it up for James Harden. So it makes no sense from the get-go that they're just going to try and build what they already had. Um, but that seems that would be the logical thing to me. Where do you ship Kyrie to? I don't think he has a no trade, so you can move him wherever. Um, You've got to think it'd be to a team in Timbuktu. So, like, I mean, who who would want that contract, and who would want him? I mean, Royal Caribbean cruise ship. I I have no idea. <laughs> like, at that point, it's like, what what can you get for him? Uh, just based on his his reputation, I would assume the Knicks would be in the conversation. Uh, they have some pieces there, and obviously, they want the star power anyway. So, any way they can get it, and he's from there. Uh, but outside of that. What team wants to deal with uh, with Kyrie? Because it again, I just question his commitment to actually playing basketball. I and that I, I feel like at this point in his career, that's a fair criticism. Send him to Minnesota and bring D'Angelo Russell back. Yeah, something or, or no? Or is he, where is is Russell in Minnesota now? I can't remember. He's bounced around now. I can't remember. I think he's in Minnesota. D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, he's in Minnesota with Cat. So. Yes. Who I don't think is long for Minnesota, by the way. Uh, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked if Carl uh, Anthony Towns is on your Boston Celtics this year. Don't be shocked. Just, just throwing it out there. Little, it's a little whisper on the wind. Um, so that's kind of the state uh, of the, the things outside the NBA. The NBA draft is this Tuesday. Um, I think because it's such a quick turnaround. From when it feels like we were just yeah. doing the draft. Uh, I, I I feel like we'll talk about the draft after the draft. Because there's so little to be able to pull from to know about some of these guys. I was going to say, to be honest with you, I have no idea what It's, it's better. I mean, we could talk. I mean, Cade Cunningham is number one. I mean, there's, 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 I mean, there's, there's, there was very little consensus about the draft in the fall. Um, I'd say there's even less consensus about this draft right now. I mean, at the top, yeah. you've got Cade Cunningham, uh, Jalen Suggs, my favorite guy, which is Evan Mobley from USC, bringing back the big man game, a two-way big. He's got a post game. Oh, love it. Um, I think it's better to talk about after the fact. We'll see where these guys land and how they'll fit on that team. And I think that's going to be more exciting than trying to talk and project where they go now. Because honestly, yeah. 
there's just no consensus. There's no, it's just a crapshoot. It's just not worth the time right now. Uh, but we'll talk about that next weekend. Um, but there's certainly going to be, going to be moves. Um, there will be some rule changes in the NBA. We'll hit on this very quickly. They want to change the quote unquote unorthodox shot. So now James Harden, Trey Young, all these guys who love to come off a screen and jump backwards into a guy, launch themselves sideways, kick their legs and flail and, you know, yeah. oh, he's in the act of shooting. Offensive foul now under this, these proposed rule changes. Thank God. Again, I've said James Harden, fantastic basketball player in within the rules of the game, right? You can't argue he's playing by the rules. He's, he's, he's pushed the limits of what is a gather, how many steps is it, you know, you know, contact, getting into contact and getting, it's going to change now because it's not, it is just felt some of these guys are taking it. You're outside of the spirit of the game when you're running off a screen and then you catch the ball and then you literally jump backwards into a guy and then launch a shot up. It It just doesn't feel right. And the fact that they're going to address this is good. Yeah, it, it hurts the products of the game when guys are doing this. I mean, it's just like, because then cheap. there's going to be a point, uh, you know, in the last two minutes, it takes 15 minutes because then there's replay on the fouls. What was it a foul? Was it not? Was it shooting? There's just too much, and now this is pretty clear cut. So rather than have guys do a triple step back travel move around the back and kick their leg and get a three-point foul shot, nope, going the other way. Perfect. Exactly what the NBA needs is less of this, like, I just feel like you can't play much defense anymore in the NBA. You're manipulating the rules of the game, which is not what yeah. you want. So, good. You know, you want guys going inside and, and taking contact, foul, that's fine. But kind of doing this flop act, it just hurts the product, at least in my eyes. Like, a lot of people are probably fine with it. But for me, like, I don't want to sit there and watch just, like, nonstop flying backwards and, and snapping your head back. I Like, I just don't I, – I feel like it hurts the product overall. Yeah. Um, now, this was a good rule change. Listen, NBA, don't stop there. Let's address the replay issue. We've said this God knows how many times, and it would feel like the prevailing opinion. Anytime you go on Twitter during an NBA game, and honestly during most games, NFL, baseball, replay is supposed to help you fix correctable mistakes. The refs missed something. They made a mistake. Or, a, a, you know, somebody missed a goaltend. You know, there's instances where, and in the NFL, there's like so many times you say, you know, oh, my God, that the refs missed that. They blew that. And somebody will throw a flag. Like, sorry, that's not a reviewable play. It's like, well, why not? What is the point of having all of this apparatus if we can't fix glaringly obvious missed calls or blown calls or mistaken calls? Um the NBA has got to fix two things. One, the speed with which they replay things. I think all the leagues need to do this. It should not take forever. There should be somebody already sitting there, especially in the playoffs. There's one game happening tonight, right, each night, or two at most. Um, so you're sitting there, you're watching, oh, wow, okay, they want to go replay. That's a close call. Let's pull it up. Let's look. Bing, 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 bing. As soon as the refs at that facility get over and pop on the headset, do you want to take a 30-second commercial break? Good. That buys you the time. Play a commercial. Come back. Call on the floor stands. So-and-so ball. Done. 
over. Um, the fact that it took like what thirty seven minutes to finish game was it uh, game three uh, or game two for the Clippers and the Suns that is abysmal. Come on, be better. You have to be better. From they're not going to change anything from a protocol standpoint. The other thing they need to change, and we've said this before, is the, the out of bounds rule. We don't review out of bounds anywhere else during the course of a game. And then in the final two minutes, we're going to micromanage whether or not the very like last atom of a guy's fingertip is still on the basketball, and that's off of him. And they have to somehow change the rule, because when it's a black and white rule, last person to touch it before it goes out of bounds, it's off them. When you watch it full speed, you just see, oh, he poked it out. If you go back and watch every single poked ball throughout the course of a game, you're going to find that probably the guy who hit it didn't touch it last. <laughs> like that I hit it and it's going to be rolling off of that guy's person, that hand, and then my hand will come off of it and then it's off the other guy, the, the dribbler's hand. Uh, I think they got to fix. There's two ways they can fix it. They either say that if you're the offensive team and you lose the ball out of bounds at any point, it's just a turnover. Like you've lost possession of the ball. It's like a fumble. You, you lost the ball. Sorry, you lost it. Doesn't matter who touched it. Doesn't matter who poked it out. If I knock it out of your hands and it goes out of bounds, turnover. Haha, our ball. Or unless there's a second touch, when you're replaying that, you have to judge that that ball would not have left that guy's hand reasonably unless that person poked it. And give some sort of weight to the cause of the poke ball. Because as is right now, like that's we're splitting hairs. Like Devin Booker's dribbling. Pat Beverly hits the ball. Any other point in the game that's out of ball out of bounds on Beverly. That's just that's just how you feel. That's 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 what it is. But we're gonna say, wait, 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 let's go like thousandths of a second at a time, frame by frame. Oops. It might still just be on the fingertip. Okay, Clippers ball. Does that does anybody want that? That just ruins the spirit. And it took them like 10 minutes to decide that too. Ugh! It just annoys me because it ruins the flow of the game. I'm and it doesn't you, feel right. I'm glad you just took that whole kind of like mini segment because like I wouldn't even waste my breath. Like I think the point is just there and viewership in terms of, I think everyone should feel the same way. And I, I would find it hard to believe that someone doesn't want to take less replay. I don't know, but... At the end of the day, they're just going to say, okay, well, uh, here's a memo, shred it. Fans want more, uh, want less replay. They want viewers, uh, they just want the pro, like I just, it just comes back to the NBA product, in my opinion. It's the same with the flopping. There's whistles all over the place. Then you got replay on top of it. It just ruins the whole entire product of a great game going down the stretch. I can't sit there for final three minutes of a game while they just go back and forth Free throw line, replay, whistles everywhere. It takes 35 freaking minutes. Like, I don't want to sit there and just watch that when the game itself is already good. We don't need the rest of the other crap to kind of, like, flood and, and ruin that the end of the game when it's yeah. game seven or whatever it is because you know it will happen eventually. Yeah, It does all the time. But I think they should, for certain replays across sports, there should be certain calls that can only be made at full speed. You're asked the refs to judge it in live, you know, live at live speed. Yeah. Review it at live speed. Now, some maybe there's got to be a way to yell. This is for competition committees to sort out. Players you know, won't want it though. What do we want to slow down? What do we not want to slow down? 
Watch it in real speed. You make a call. That's honestly probably going to speed up the the you know, players the... won't let it happen. Every time, every time something happens, what it all you oh, I hate three it. to four guys oh. review it. Yeah, and they buy so and they do it. They, yeah, they listen do, to every the time. players. It's so frustrating when that happens. It's like play on. Oh man, this is bogus. <laughs> Can only imagine what Tommy Heinsohn would be saying during some of these. Oh God. So that's some rule changes we want to see happen. Uh, to the games themselves, um, Clippers, man, I think the Clippers absolutely blew it last night. They shot terribly. That game was a rock fight um, between them and the Suns. So the Suns are up 3-1. They're in complete control of this series. Now, I know the Clippers have had this comeback thing going this year. I don't think 3-1 they'll be able to overcome without Kawhi Leonard. He's not coming back. Um, and even yeah. with him, I don't know if it, I, I think they oh, might much closer. That's I don't even, closer. I don't even know if they're all that better. I mean, he's a weird dude. We know it, but they show him last night. The Clippers were down 17 at one point in that game. They're making a comeback and they're like, and the crowd's going nuts. And they cut to Kawhi Leonard in the box. And he's just sitting there like Mike, Mike Breen was like, and Kawhi's going crazy. <laughs> like, that was the best. So I don't know if he's already like checked out. Is he out of there? There's rumors about that. If he's just going to leave the Clippers, um, I say straight up swap CJ McCollum for Kawhi Leonard. Best for both teams. Who's doing that? Yeah, if the Clippers are on drugs, they'll do that. Just saying. Uh, anyways, uh, I don't think the Clippers can come back from three one. They blew their opportunity last night because one. because both teams played terribly, and then the Clippers found a gear. Man, that fourth quarter was what. The first like seven minutes of it was like the score was four to two in the fourth quarter. I'll tell you what though, Clippers I'll, lost the opportunity last night. Yeah, I'll say this. I think, I, well, yeah, it's definitely over. I think it's out for sure over without Kawhi. But Paul George, make a goddamn free throw! Oh my god, this guy! If I was a Clippers fan, I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. No more. Yeah, how many times is he gonna miss a free throw at the end of a game? NBA players missing free throws is going to be the most frustrating thing in the world, right? Like, what do you go, one job. of six, the last six free throws he's shot in the last two minutes of a game? It's just ridiculous. They're down, like, uh, I'm watching, I'm like, they're, okay, they're down two. Paul George coming to the line. Or down three, something like that. Yeah. Misses the first. Holy crap, this guy. Misses the second. Oh, my God. And they get a rebound, and DeMarcus Cousins then has to hit a free throw. I just like, dude. Well, then he hits one, and then they're trying to freaking million dollars hit a free throw. It's got to be the easiest shot in the game. You're at home. Like, what it, are you doing? Yeah. Well, listen, this, this, you want to talk about James Harden for you? Free throw is being missed in the end of a game like this by superstar players. That just is like that is mind blowing to me. I just yeah. want to put my remote through the TV at that point. Shouldn't this is this feels like a Jeff Van Gundy thing? Like. There's got to be a, a rule, a salary cap stipulation. If you can't shoot better than like 85% on your free throws, like you're not eligible for a Supermax. <laughs> it's not even like, it's not like they're they're putting Giannis or Ben Simmons at the line just for the hell of it. This is freaking Paul George. He's getting paid $30 million to be the superstar of this team, especially without Kawhi. And he can't make a free throw. If I was oh. a Clippers fan, I would be throwing myself through my TV. No doubt. Like I don't even want, I don't even, I don't even have a rooting interest really. I would like to see the Suns win. But that is maddening. No, it's unreal. It's unreal to see, like you said, not just, I mean, any NBA player, I think, free throws should be the easiest thing. It's uncontested. 
I understand yeah. if you're a guy that like has a slow jumper, you get a slow release, you get a weird wind up, and it's like, listen, like, don't take jump shots. It's not your game unless you're wide the hell open. Don't take jump shots. You are, yeah. you should get to the rim, use your strength, whatever. I understand that. There's different styles of players. Free throw shooting, you get 11 seconds to shoot uncontested in whatever manner you want. Flick it underhand, underhand, finger roll it. You actually are allowed to stand in that semicircle, take a dribble, and shoot a pull-up jump shot. Whatever you got to do. But you got to be able to shoot. Guys who shoot under 70-something percent from the line makes no sense. I understand not everybody's going to be Ray Allen yeah. or Steve Nash uh, or Steph Curry. Like, I get that. But you got to be at least pushing think, the 80%. As professional players, as is it being your job to score? That's At the end of the day, score, scoring is the only way you win in the NBA. Uh, when you come to the free throw line, you got to be able to knock down those shots. Um, Especially if you're a small forward or a wing player, as they like to say, getting paid all-star, superstar, top-tier money. There's no reason why Paul George can't hit free throws, especially at home. Yeah. It's not like, like I understand some guys go on the road, okay, you know, fans get in your head, you get a little bit rattled, you miss one, right? That'll happen. Nobody's going to shoot 100%. But to miss like three or four in a row as a superstar player at home with no, like, there's no real, like, you don't see the things in the back or me, like, you know, flashing you. It's like, just just make the free throw. That guy in Philly who weighs like 600 pounds that sits behind the yeah. basket. Yeah, that's the best one. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's Philly for you, though. Oh uh, goodness. Yeah, no, it's it's maddening to watch because you know it's like, dude, I could, I'm, I'm a, like, I'm a better free throw shooter than Giannis. That's, yeah. That, no lay person should be able to say that they're better than a professional at something. Yeah, seriously. Pay me a hundred thousand dollars and I'll be a free throw specialist for you. I'll sit on the end of the bench at the end of a game. You put me in. <laughs> for real. It's crazy. It's it, it's 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 crazy. Um, meanwhile, so Phoenix up three one. I I can't see. I know the Clippers. Like we said, they've had this comeback thing going. I don't think now. The only way was if they they tied it two two three one going back to Phoenix. How badly did the Clippers want to come back uh, to, to 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 L.A. to then have to try and force a game seven? I don't know. Um, Trying to beat Phoenix in Phoenix with a chance to go to the finals. Chris Paul's first opportunity to go to a... He's got it now on his fingertips uh, to go to a finals. Will he choke it away again? I don't know. It'd be... Oh man. Now, though, it is the... Th- it's the only thing is that, like, Chris Paul has always been this close and then stupid things happen. Oh, man. Uh, it would be brutal. Especially brutal for it to happen again. Yeah. Uh, so I don't even want to imagine that universe. Uh, meanwhile, Milwaukee and Atlanta. Atlanta did what they had to do. They win game one. Milwaukee, can you even say one, or is it more like they destroyed the Hawks in game two? Because that was that was a bludgeoning. Um, oh yeah. And so oh, they, yeah. now at they least sent, I mean, they but, sent the Hawks overseas. Yes, yes. Um, that that looked like if it was actually me and you out there playing the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but hey. It's just one game. And this we said this about Atlanta versus Philly. Atlanta won game one. Philly destroyed them in game two. We said, okay, you know, hey, Atlanta did with it. Then Philly won game three in Atlanta. You said, okay, Philly's got this. Series over. 
Atlanta doesn't give up though. And hey, end of the day, we they took care of their business. It's one one. Going back to Atlanta. I don't trust the Bucks. They should be able to win the championship. I think as far as the talent they have, their size and skill, they should be able to just match up and game plan and beat any of the remaining teams. But as Charles Barkley says, they're a dumb team. And dumb teams do dumb things. And they get away with it, so they keep doing dumb things. So they just want to shoot threes. Drew Holiday has not earned his money uh, so far in the last two rounds because he's shot terribly, and he's getting torched by Trey Young. So he's not pulling up the defense either. Now, game two is a bit of a different story, but that was just a runaway train of a game. Can you win and play well for a whole series? I haven't seen it from Drew the last two series. Um, he's had some moments, but not like, oh, this was a Drew Holiday game. Uh, I, I don't trust the Bucks. I don't trust the Bucks, and they should win this series. They should. I expect them to be the best team and to win the championship, but I don't trust them. And so I really think now, one-one going back to Atlanta, the Bucks are in a real bad spot unless Giannis again, like I said, right along decides to just be an alpha dog and plant himself in the paint and be the biggest, baddest guy that nobody can stop. If he does that, the Bucks win easy. But who knows? Who knows what Bucks team is going to show up? Yeah, uh, that is the one thing that I can't predict. Like I really think that the Bucks should absolutely wipe the floor with this Hawks team. Like watching game two and even game one at some stretches, it's like the Monstars versus the Looney Tunes in the first half. It's just not even close. And with their size, you know, the Bucks are just monsters. They tower over you. And they have, you know, John Collins and Capella are, are decently sized, right? I mean, they're not, it's not like they're small guys, but the Bucks are huge. I I would, right now, I would say even 1-1, the Bucks should win this game, uh, win this series in five. Yeah, should. But I can't say that because they are so stupid, and we saw that in game one. So going back to Atlanta, it'll be interesting to see which Bucks team shows up, you know, especially in game three. And on the road, the Bucks are a bit of a different team on the road. Um, and they lost one at home, which is interesting. But if the Bucks don't win a title this year, I just like, they, sh- they should be there. They really should. With, it's wide the open for them. Left, I mean, it's like, Giannis, if you want it, just go get it at this point. Does that team have enough to get there? I don't know. Do they have enough smarts to get there is really the question. I mean, the th- the crazy thing is, like, on short of winning a title, and even then, <laughs> I-, I don't think Coach Bud is long for that team. I, no, I really I don't. I think yeah. he was this close to being fired mid-series versus the Nets. Oh, um, yeah. No, if they had lost that series, he wouldn't be around. So, I mean, I, I feel like unless they win a title, his, his, his days are numbered in, in Milwaukee. Um, because of coming back to like the thing we said, why are you not playing your stars more? Or why are you not playing the matchups more? Like, there was points against Brooklyn where Brooklyn was going super small, and it's like, why is Bobby Portis on the bench? Why, why are you letting Jeff Green run circles around Brooke Lopez when you're not having yeah. Brooke Lopez then go punish him at the rim on the other side? We've said this. You know, back to last week, when you have small lineups on the floor, you either attack that matchup or you make a substitution. Not just sit there and say, they went small. What do we do now? Be a coach. Make changes. For all the grief I've given Ty Lue before in the past, I think this playoffs he's actually really coached his ass off. 
Um, now he's working with a, a short deck now, but uh, he, he's actually, you know, really um, shown you that in the NBA, a coach can still make a difference um, at points during a series. In the regular season, game to game, it's not as much. But in a series, when you, adjustments are needed and you need little tweaks here and there, that's where the coach pays dividends. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust Milwaukee one bit, but we'll see. Uh, we will see how it plays out. So um, I wanted to hit on one thing. Uh, you know, we're at this point now. Um, I mean, we're in New England. And our state of vaccination is, is really good. We're one of the best areas of, of the country for this. Uh, more and more institutions, whether you're in a school, whether you're in a league, you know, getting vaccinated is part of the deal. Um, and especially going into next year, we've already seen this. We saw it Cole Beasley opting to not want to get vaccinated and live with the consequences. Coaches not want to get vaccinated. But listen, there's consequences of that. If you're vaccinated, you can kind of go about business as normal as far as running your team. If you're not, you're going to have to still be at the mercy of masking and distancing and doing all the Zoom stuff and everything that kind of had to happen last year. Um, and you're going to be at the mercy of COVID protocols, which is still going to be a thing next year. COVID is not going away. So this will still, this is not like come the fall, it's not going to be a problem. They're still going to be testing people. Yeah. They're still going to be testing. And so we're see we unfortunately we saw this still happen at the College World Series for D1 baseball this week. Um with North Carolina State becoming declared ineligible to continue in a World Series semifinal, you know, playing for the right to go to the College World Series championship game because of COVID protocols. And now it's all, there's a whole lot of privacy into that. So we don't know the state of the exact nature of how many players were vaccinated, how many weren't, but we know that it's a mixed bag right now. And I'll say this, it is obviously everybody's personal choice. Nobody will argue that. If you want to get it, it's available to you. If you don't want to get it, that's your choice. Coming with choices means you have to accept consequences. And if you're a professional athlete right now, Unless you really don't have any faith in the science of it, which again, that is, if you have an informed opinion, that's that's your right. But if you're just not getting the vaccine on some sort of weird principle of you can't tell me what to do, then you're going to have to live with the fact that you might catch COVID and not be able to play. Or or you might, you, you might be totally asymptomatic. You might be totally fine. They're not going to let you play and you have to accept that. Unfortunately, that's what's happened in collegiate sports this whole year. We've seen teams all the way down to the D3, all the way high school. We've been talking about this since, what, January with high school hockey? Teams couldn't play a championship game because of COVID. It, 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 and at least then, there was no vaccines. You have a way right now to ensure. We said this about Chris Paul last week. We don't know the state of his vaccination. Obviously, he's, he's bad. He, you know, luckily, they swept, and he had time to get ready and and clear protocol and get back on the floor, and he seems like he's okay. Uh, obviously, luckily, he didn't get seriously sick. But for all these other guys, if you want to avoid having that, like something that could have been in, all athletes want control, something that could have been in your control, and you're going to leave it up to chance that 
the kid of a trainer gets COVID from school and brings it in, and then you get it from da -da 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 down the line, and now you're wrapped in a, a protocol, and because you chose not to get vaccinated, now you're not available to play? You want to run that risk? Fine. But, like, that's, that's, that's what's going to be happening. There's going to be guys, women too. There's going to be players, athletes, competitors, who if you're not vaccinated, you're going to run the risk of not being able to compete. And it's unfortunate that that's still happening, but it's going to continue to happen. Um, and uh, this is Peter Burns. Uh, he is an ESPN uh, reporter. He had a perfect tweet. The College Series, college World Series situation is incredibly unfortunate on so many levels. Hate it for North Carolina State. Hate it for the Texas-Mississippi State winner. Hate it for Vanderbilt, who got to automatically advance to the championship. Hate it for the NCAA. Hate it for the sport of college baseball. It's perfect because it's not good for anybody to have this happening. But especially the athletes, I just feel like you have it in your control to not let this happen. Um, I mean, the rules and stuff has been pretty cut and dry for a while now. Seen it from every sport. I mean, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, like, I just like, there's, it, it's pretty clear cut what you have to do, what you can do, what you can't do. If you're vaccinated, unvaccinated, there's been regulations in every sport. Uh, and I mean, in life, really, you know, from the top on down. So if you're not vaccinated, like you said, you know what, by all means, that's, that's your prerogative. You can do whatever you want. Um, but uh, in terms of the rules, they, they've been set for a while. So like, I don't, it shouldn't be a mystery to anyone that like, whether it's fair or unfair, sure. You can have that conversation, but the rules are the rules and they set them. So at the end of the day, you can't really like fuss too much about it because they've been in place. Yeah. So it's going to be a thing. It's going to continue to be uh, a thing and it's going to continue. I mean, we're seeing it already still at the international level. This is going to be an issue with the Olympics, which are, again, like we said, <laughs> are just putting the blinders on and soldiering forward. It's crazy for Japan that 80-something percent of the country doesn't want it, but they're just continuing, continuing on. Uh, this will be a problem at the Olympics, and people are going to have to accept that there's going to be um, unorthodox victories in things. And you're gonna not feel good about oh well, declared ineligible to compete or to play and yee take your take your nobody wants it. And the thing is like, Vanderbilt didn't want this. You think they feel happy about like being in the World Series now? They'd rather have played North Carolina State. Now North Carolina State already had yeah. lost some kids because because of COVID, and that got to a point where the NCAA said like, listen, we're not gonna even allow you to play because you have to have X amount of kids because um, it's a danger. You know, I get it. There's there's always been rules about that. Uh, minimum amount of competitors. Hmm. Um, Vanderbilt doesn't want that. They'd rather have played North Carolina State at full health. <laughs> so well, I mean, it's not good for anyone, right? I mean, that's pretty clear. Yeah. But so, it is what it is. I mean, it's like you can have the conversation unfair, unfair, like I said, but at the end of the day, the rules have been set by NCAA or whatever. So it is what it is. I don't know what you can do beyond that. Yep. So it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate to see. Definitely. Um, I just wanted to bring this up quickly, Christian. I'm a big cycling guy. Uh, now, talking about fair, unfair, uh, and we've talked about cheating in baseball last week. Professional cycling has long had its issues with doping and 
champions after the fact becoming declared ineligible and hey you finished 15th but now you're declared the winner because <laughs> bing, 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 all these guys are out yeah. um did you see the crash this uh yesterday at the tour de france i did not oh boy this is bad and talk about avoidable instances let me pull this up so i don't know what the consequences are going to be um for for this fan uh because it started uh a woman basically held out a sign and caused a crash and it's bad so i'll go ahead and let this play and he's just one Way out into the peloton, she's holding this sign. This guy goes down. Why is she doing that? And literally the whole peloton, which is just the big pack of everybody, goes down. It's something that woman is going to be facing criminal charges, I have to imagine. Because the the ensuing crash, I mean, there's a picture of it. I mean, it wiped out the entire field. That is insane. And that happens when, you know, one person goes down. You usually see it at the end of a race because there's the packs, there's the breakaways, there's the chase groups. And then, okay, here comes the mob. Here comes the peloton. And all these guys are fighting for 17th, 18th, 19th place in halves of seconds. And you're all tightly bunched up. And one guy clips another guy and he goes down and the whole pack goes down. That happens. You're standing right on the edge and you're sticking the sign all the way out into the pack like that yeah. get out I mean, of the way like what what is she thinking like I, I mean so i feel so bad for this guy and then he gets like ridden over again luckily everybody has to wear helmets now because i mean 20 something yeah. years ago they didn't make guys wear helmets we've seen lance armstrong at times didn't wear hel- a helmet that's why you wear a helmet because you never know what's going to happen. And that goes for anybody just riding recreationally, too. Wear a helmet. <laughs> There's so much that's not in your control. Please, if that guy wasn't wearing a helmet, who knows like what his condition would be right now. Because he gets run over, then ridden over, and then fallen on by about 40 other people going yeah. full speed. That's Whoa. brutal. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Fan, I, I just, I mean, geez. Nobody's there to tell the fan to get the hell out of the way. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean... It's like the beauty of those stage races is going up through the mountains and you got the fans lining the roads and stuff. It's like, get back. Put a I mean, rope like, there. This is like this is like Bartman. It's like, what are you doing? Get out of the way. Yeah. But that's like crossing the street. Like she's in, in the street. So it's like there's got to be someone there to like, ma'am, back the hell out of the way. Yeah. Stupid. Jesus. Absolutely s- s- stupid. Um, hopefully again, I, I watch the tour every year and every year I watch and I'm excited. And there's, there's so many compelling things about cycling. I think it's probably one of the most, it, it's not understood as far as how stage racing works and the strategy people just, it's a race, but there's a lot of strategy that goes into it and it's fun. Unfortunately, the doping thing and the cheating thing is just a plague that, on the, on the sport. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that the start of the tour de France? Yes. So. Yeah, so, like, that's, like, right at the beginning of the race. Yeah, so, uh, like, I understand there's going to be fans throughout the whole damn thing, right? At the beginning of the race, nobody can tell the fan. We know the TV cameras are there. That's what she was doing, right? She's putting the sign out for the TV. So, like, nobody can. nobody's there to tell her to get the hell out of the way. That seems weird to me. Yeah, but I, I just, I always pray for every major cycling race I watch. <laughs> just please nobody be busted. Like, come on. 
it's just it takes it ruins so much yeah uh when when, when that happens um in all in, in in all in all sports it ruins it uh, but especially cycling because it just cycling especially it trickles like guys taking hgh in the nfl like we said this last week it happens these guys it's a gladiator sport they're trying to recover what a, it doesn't make that much of a difference yeah um at the end of the day you can be a great nfl player and not need to take steroids it what happens is when guys think in baseball and and hockey you know guys taking weird supplements but especially these the competitive the racing whether you're running or riding it trickles all the way down to the youth levels where it begins there where these kids start thinking they need to get an edge and that's what's that's what's horrible about it is because you start thinking that i can't compete unless i'm doing it too right And, and that that's what is the worst part about it um I wanted to save this story for last because I think it is one of the best stories from this week. Uh, and that well, is... Don't tell the world that. You're going to get everybody upset. Uh, that is the Carl Nassib story. Uh, him announcing... Brilliant. Uh, he is the first... Well, now, So this is what's interesting. He's the first openly gay player active in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, Michael Sam made the roster, right? With the he was Rams? Not, he was not playing when he came out, though, I believe. Okay, so that's the thing. That's that's the dif- the difference. Right. Because Mike, I remember. I mean, which is crazy though, to think that that's like almost what eight nine years ago now, that he came out before the draft. Yeah. Um, uh, and then and then is drafted by the Rams. So this is somebody, an active, established player, coming out as gay. Um, fantastic. I mean, it's it's. I think this time though. I mean, again, it's probably not been met with as much. There's still vitriol. There's still, like you said, there's people upset at this. But I'd say the environment now is different than even eight, nine years ago when Michael yeah. Sam came out, which is a good thing. Good thing. And don't don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, there's always going to be those Twitter idiots that, you know, the Twitiots that Twitiots that uh, you know think they're all world and you know they they're they they know everything. But overall, I mean, it's like. Not only is this good for just sports in general, uh, for athletes, but there's a lot of guys that are in similar situations to to, to Carl Nassib here, and this is going to help them as well. So, and also like this will hopefully not be a story one day, right? I mean, that's kind of what JJ Watt said. Like, good for you. Hopefully, this will not be need to be like hyped up as much. It'll just be normalized, right? Um, we're far from that, unfortunately, just based on everything in the world but this is this is good for not only the nfl and sports in general but and don't get me wrong the other side of it he's gotten a ton of support so that's obviously important yeah and it, it comes down to all these things. i mean the last year i'd say we have we have we've far crossed and there's no going back to a world where people just play the game and we don't talk about anything else yeah i, I think it's a good it's a good and also, societally, I think we need that. We shouldn't just, oh, shut up and don't deal with anything. Uh, you know, talking about all the human human rights <laughs> yeah. uh, and civil rights and equal rights. And then also crossing over into discussions on mental health. And I'd say we're, we're at a point where I think, like you said, there is m- much more understanding and support now than ever before. For whatever anybody's going through or feeling or, or needs. And 
I think that's great. And it's great to see people in these positions stepping up because it does a lot for anybody that's in a lesser position, somebody that's in high school right now, somebody that's in college, maybe other pro players who are struggling with something to be able to say that guy, you know, he's doing, he's coming out or he's talking about mental illness. And so now I feel comfortable talking about this or I feel comfortable saying who I am and, and, and what I'm about. Um, the days Anytime of, that's uh, happening, that yeah. is good. Yeah. The days of shut up and dribble and keep, oh, you just play basketball and don't talk about stuff is, should be, should be just done. Uh, if you're still bitching and moaning about this, uh, you know, like what I would tell is just go sit in a quiet place and entertain yourself. Throw a tennis ball off the wall, uh, play basketball in your room, you know, watch a movie by yourself. Like, just, just stop. Because it's just like the conversation is over at this point. The, the 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 fact that someone you know like this is coming out and saying this is a good thing. Don't don't get it twisted with anything else saying it's oh this is bad and I'm not going to watch a sport anymore because you know you're taking a knee on the field and you're supposed to entertain me like the high and mighty viewer uh, that you are right. Like those days are over. Like these guys are going to talk about. Don't forget athletes are still human, right? Yes. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but that is the case. So why Leonard might not be. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'll say. Like, if you don't want that people to talk about this stuff, put on your earphones, stay off the internet. Nobody says because... you have to listen. Yeah, exactly. So you sit in your quiet room, listen to some Zen music and just, you know, do whatever you do. Yeah, I agree. That's Get off I'm the not... internet. <laughs> Get Turn off. off. Yeah. Get Turn off Twitter. Off. Get off Twitter. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Um, like we said, the NBA draft is Tuesday. Um, we didn't really talk about it today because it's just, it would be a waste of time. <laughs> There's so little that's known. Yeah. And it's not worth picking apart these guys right now. It's not the then, NFL draft. No, we don't know enough. And I yeah, think it's, it's going to be a not. much more interesting discussion to learn more for us to describe and talk about these guys and their potential once we know the teams that they're on next week. Um, and there's going to be moves. Um, you know, there is going to be trades happening at the draft. Now, I don't know if the Boston Celtics will be involved in any of those, but like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, who knows? Thing, the seeds, and we'll, we'll start, you can see the breadcrumbs. I mean, in 2008, the Celtics traded for Ray Allen at draft day. That laid the groundwork for Cameron Garnett coming to Boston. Um, what's going to go happen in Portland now? They wanted Jason Kidd. They hired Chauncey Billups. It seems like that's what's going to happen. How does that fit with McCollum and Lillard? They wanted Jason Kidd, who's now in Dallas, which that's a dumpster fire, by the way. Um, you're going to see the breadcrumbs of some potential moves start to be laid this Tuesday. So yep. we'll be back next week to break all of that down. Uh, among other things, as we creep towards the end of the winter sports <laughs> it's almost July, the end of the winter sports seasons, uh, and heading toward NFL training camp and the Olympics. Um, so, And you heard it here first. Carl Anthony Towns will be a Boston Celtics. I said don't be surprised. Book it. Don't be surprised. So, We'll have more on that next week. So, He's Christian Lover. I'm Andrew Pizzelli. Everybody have a safe weekend, and we will catch you next Sunday. Bye, everybody. Yeah.